0: Welcome to EHS On Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor in chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week I talked to Barry Nelson, founder and CEO of Factor Lab, about how AI is transforming safety. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Barry Nelson, founder and CEO of Factor Lab. Welcome to the show, Barry. Thank you so much, Jay. Great to be here. Great to have you. And before we uh, talk a little bit about AI, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and Factor Lab
1: sure uh, well first thanks for the opportunity to visit with you and talk through this stuff today um uh 10 second background i uh i am an accidental uh you know safety metric nerd uh 20 years ago i um uh, one of our customers asked us to build up uh, an application that would use a mobile device to predict which of their subcontractors were going to kill somebody and that ended up being a a big success. And I learned a great deal about, um, you know, first how to, you know, put a safety form on a palm pilot. um, And then a lot about, you know, if you get a whole bunch of those, like 100 million of them, what does it really tell you? Um, So anyway, that's my journey. So for 20 years, I've been studying the, you know, the science of uh, how does, how does the information that we collect in the field actually really make a difference uh, in terms of, Helping people make the changes they need to reduce accidents and injuries, and so that's that's that thing. Um, and then Factor Lab, uh, we started Factor Lab four years ago. It's my second company in this space. Uh, Predictive Solutions was the first one. Um, and this this uh, uh, this company is a uh, uh, a people-based data science and application company that's focused on uh, continuous improvement and injury-free um, operations. So. It's a data science company. It's a technology application platform, and it's but it's focused on UK. Okay, what are the what are the humans doing in this whole thing, and how do you measure mm-hmm. things that you know we couldn't
0: measure in the past? Excellent. Well, let's talk about uh, how AI is transforming safety. Um, you know, what are your th- sort of thoughts on on the use of AI, you know, by safety professionals and how it can sort of improve things?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question, uh, Jay, and I, I love your. You know, I don't, I'm sure you've heard a lot about this, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of thoughts. There's AI is an overused word. I think it's, it's kind of a category of, um, technologies that are converging together. Sometimes we lump it into the AI bucket, but I think the first thing that's happening, that's really changing is the collection of unstructured information, you know, for, time uh, until very recently, we could, the best that we could do was have somebody fill out a form and, um, you know, uh, that was it, you know, check a box or something and and that was fine and it was good and like a joke, we put my kids through college building forms for safety professionals and making charts out of them, but that information is inherently uh, flawed. It's highly subjective, it's highly biased, and there's a whole body of work on that that you can get to. But recently, uh, you know, we can begin to collect information as an industry, like just text or language or a voice conversation or a video. And um, that's great because that information is sort of naturally how people communicate, and that's a more authentic, if you will. You're going to get a better, it's less subjective, it's less biased, it's mm-hmm. not the same, it's not. Not any of that, but it's certainly much more, you know, interesting. But the the problem that one has with that and is well, how do I organize it? You know what I mean? How do I what do I if I have all these things, if I have a thousand videos, well, what am I right, what am I looking for? Right? And how do I do it? And I think um, you know, AI and the early work of this over the last, you know, I don't know, few years, there's been a, quite a few folks who've spent some time. Saying, well, I'm going to use these things to look at pictures and figure out hazards, mm-hmm. and that's that's interesting, and I think that's a big play for AI, and I don't think that's going away. I think that's going to evolve, because I think what's happening with AI is a little bit of, in that regard, is a little bit what we we've already we're relearning a lesson that we need to learn again, which is we're asking AI to give us um, more information about hazards and maybe with the thought that the hazards are the problem, when in fact hazards are really the symptoms. Right. But this leads to the other part. Well, okay, well, then this is the power of AI. Well, if I don't want hazards, well, what is it that I actually do want to know? And what is in this unstructured information? And I think there's great promise as we look at language. So you could say, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, can I use AI to listen to these videos or transcripts or read the text that people write? And can I look at that language for indicators that maybe I hadn't been able to think of before? And so you could certainly think of it from a hazard point of view, but what if we thought of it differently? And we thought about language using AI to help us understand culture or values or these kinds of things. So I think AI is allowing us to, you know, again, in this technology convergence allow us to gather information we didn't have. AI is allowing us to say, yeah, I can do some of the stuff that I did before, but now I can do things that I could never do in the past. Now we as safety professionals get to think about, well, what is it that I really want? And I, I think that's where there's great promise. Um,
0: how do you see the uh, the role of the safety professional changing as we're, you know, incorporating this technology?
1: Well, it's a good good question too. I think significantly, uh, to be blunt, I think it's this the safety professional their role is fundamentally changing and if you if you you kind of have to go backwards i think to go forwards in your experience jay what's the most frustrating thing about being a safety professional um in an organization what drives them crazy what's the hardest part about that role today
0: i mean probably just getting your message across to everybody who needs to needs to to learn it Uh, you know obviously you've got you know I I hear a lot of people talk about you know they don't like being called the safety cop you know like people you know they walk around and people are like oh here comes a safety cop because they're going to tell me you know I'm doing this wrong I've been doing this thing for 30 years you know who's this guy but so I I, I sort of sense that frustration definitely is you know the message is out there but you know are people listening
1: yeah I, I think that's a big issue. And I think AI is going to play a big role in this. And you might say, well, how is that going? to Well, so if I, if I characterize it this way, safety professional, oftentimes, in most cases, obviously there's, ex, you know, there's exceptions to every rule. It isn't that they're not trying to communicate the right, what they're trying to communicate the right thing. It's not, they're not understood, right? They they have these very good intentions. They They, they go out and they try and communicate things, but it's very, very hard because people literally don't, understand them. And I'll I'll give you a concrete example. If you said, hey, Jay, uh, and this is about how the role is going to change, because if people understand you, well, then it's a much less frustrating role because you can get to the, oh, I didn't know that's what you wanted. Let me go do it. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you a couple of examples. So the the first is, okay, uh, great. You and I work for ABC construction company or whatever manufacturing plant. And we say, you know what? We really want great Uh, Daily planning conversations. So Jay, go have a great daily planning conversation. What's that mean, right? It isn't right. It isn't that we're we have no idea what we are talking about. But we certainly also it is not a good idea to think that we both come from the same perspective and the same context of what does great actually look like. And by the way. You and I could sit down and we could write out on a piece of paper what all that means and we could give it to people. And do we still think people would understand it? No, they would understand the words but they wouldn't understand the application of it. So what's happening, well, and what we're realizing, by the way, is that so where's AI come into this? Well, let's imagine that you could record some of these conversations and you could a, use AI to organize them the way that you wanted them organized by whatever definition that you wanted. And instead of trying to tell people what a great conversation looks like, you could just use AI to send them an example of what a great conversation looks like. And you could send them another example from your own people doing their real work of what maybe you don't like. And now there's a dialogue in the organization not about what is, well, it could be a dialogue about what is good and what is not good. But there's also a dialogue in the organization about why are they not good? what can be done and how do we work together to do it? But you can't do that. If you don't have the information and you don't have something in common that you can look at together And unstructured information, whether that's a written document or whether that's a video or whether it doesn't matter, unstructured information provides us a vehicle to communicate and understand one another in ways that we simply couldn't before. And that fundamentally changes how the safety professional is both perceived in the organization, right? what they do and you know what I mean? So instead of their job being, which they hate, I think where everyone at the night knows right is like, okay, I'm going to go eye out and did you do this activity? It doesn't matter what it is. And if you didn't do it, I'm going to tell you why you didn't do it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some coaching that you don't want and don't understand. And you're gonna hate, right. And then you're going to think this, like that whole relation, what is all that doing? It's not building the relationship between people in most cases. I mean, some you know people are trying to be nice, and you try and do it the way that everybody feels good about it. I got all that. There's a billion training courses on that. But fundamentally, I'm not a cop, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to actually cop you, right? I'm going to go out and do this, and I'm going to say it in the possible nicest way. But people don't want that, and yeah. that stuff doesn't help the safety professional or give him the capacity to do the things that he actually needs to do which is help people understand what he's really doing and solve problems for them. And so the role of the safety professional, I believe, is going to evolve away from that um, and move more towards, now that we understand each other, let's collectively figure out what we're going to do to solve the real problem that was leading up to the fact that your conversation wasn't very good or the observations you're doing suck or you should decide the pencil with the data or whatever it is that you're doing. So I hope that wasn't too long of an answer
0: yeah no um what are some other ways that ai can sort of uh help professionals do their jobs better oh yeah so i'll give you another one
1: um, i think i think this the i almost want to ask you back again i'll give you another frustration you tell me if you've ever heard this or not how many safety professionals are desperately trying at the end of every month to try and come up with a set of metrics that they can use with the organization to communicate to them, you know, like right. this is what we need to do, or these are our problems. It's a huge frustration, Yeah. Right. And I'll tell you the what I believe is the fundamental problem. We're collecting the wrong data. They're trying to make, we used to, I grew up in Texas, They we're trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. I got all these things, housekeeping, housekeeping, how do you make a chart. we have a housekeeping thing, and then they go to operations and they say, oh my gosh, we have an housekeeping problem, let's do housekeeping training, or let's go yell at this guy. They don't have a housekeeping problem. Housekeeping is a symptom of a much deeper problem. And so what happens is doesn't encourage people to give them housekeeping stuff because you can't really fix a house. I mean, you can tactically find and fix right. the housekeeping problem. But you're not preventing a housekeeping problem until you have a dialogue with to say, Well, what was leading up to this thing that led this to happen? And those are organizational metrics and information that can be used to bring people together to solve problems in a different context than the finding and fixing of a housekeeping problem. Right? So don't misunderstand me for sure. You need to go out and find and fix housekeeping problems. Right. But if you don't share information and we don't organize a new set of metrics, which AI is going to allow us to do to realize, well, this is the reason that I do it. We are just going to keep having the same problems that lead to housekeeping. It's like giving you a cold, giving you a tablet to fix a headache. If you have cancer, you're not fixing it. You're just making the person temporarily feel better, and that's a frustrating, frustrating experience. Uh, I can give you more if you want more. Give me one more. One more? Uh, do you have Do you have one that you're like that you've heard about, or that you want me to just? I mean, I can. I'm happy to give you. I can give you one, or if you want to talk about one in particular, I'm happy to do that too. Which no, one Just give me one. knowledge. Knowledge distribution. So I, I think today, um, how we think about the interaction with, how we interact with machines is fundamentally changing. So, you know, uh, you can think of this sort of chat GPT as a good example to get kind of the game rolling, right? People look at it, they go, oh, I'm going to ask chat GPT this question. And they're like, people realize like, well, that's pretty cool. What's happening behind, that's, that's, and that's interesting. It is, but I think most interesting about that sort of technology is it's letting people sort of open their eyes and go, wow. I didn't know I could ask a machine that thing and it would actually understand me and give this information back. Now, it's giving generic information back, which, by the way, in most cases is better than what most people have, but, but what people really want is specific information. Mm-hmm. So what is AI going to do? Well, this next generation of what you're going to see in this world of sort of ChatGPT is people are going to have their own versions of ChatGPT. I'm going to just say that in, without getting too nerdy about it. and and. You're going to be able to get very specific answers back to your very specific questions and at the same time have access to the larger knowledge base that exceeds your world. So if it can't answer questions using your data, then it'll look at a larger data set and say, well, you didn't have the answer in your own world that you fed me, but there's the larger world. Here's the opinion of that. And by the way, it will also machines are going to begin to sort of question the question. So, the day when you search for something, that says, okay, like, show me, you can, whatever, show me the best conversation uh, in the organization. It'll say, okay, well, here's the one based on this criteria, but you could also say best conversation, best on this criteria or that criteria. What do you want? You know, show me all the observations that we've done on fall protection. Well, in the future, it'll say, okay, well, here's all the ones on fall protection in general, but do you want, what kind of fall protection do you actually want, right? Do you want them? Be with more, be more specific. It, yeah. It's going, it's it's going to have a dialogue with you. And so AI, because when we ask these questions as safe, as the world, right, we kind of know the question. Sometimes we know very specifically what we're asking, but many, many times when we're asking the question, we understand the first level of the question, but when we get the information back, we realize, oh, I may not have struck that exactly what I wanted. This is what I need, or the information informs me to take me in a different way. AI is going to change the nature of how we interact with information in order to be able to get to the real question that we're trying to ask, which might require a couple of, you know, iterations.
0: So, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that AI has, the technology itself has developed really fast. How long do you think it'll take before safety professionals are, are using it the way it should be used? Because I imagine that a lot of them aren't right now.
1: Well, I think, I think people, to be it's, it's all in these layers that we talked about of these things that we were doing. Some of this is happening right now. So mm-hmm. there are people who are, you know, uh, they're organizing tens of thousands of conversations on X dimensions and putting the ones that they want at the top and the bottom and figuring out what they like and they don't like. That's all happening like now. People are doing that. And it's transformative. There's a bunch of people working on using AI to answer this, you know, problem that's been around forever, which is. What is a high-quality observation? You know, it's a fascinating question if you think about it. Like, what is a high-quality observation? So we can go down that path, but that's being done right now. Uh, There are lots and lots of people working on um, large language models now that are allowing people, and I think you're going to see this measured in months, not years, that are going to allow folks to uh, begin to interact with machines and do the things that we're talking about. Um, People now are, are... already working on these, what I call micro, you know, micro measurements of weather. So if you think of culture and weather this in an analogy, you know, lots of things in the environment can change the weather on a micro level quite a bit, right? Same thing with culture. You can have a good, good culture, but have a micro culture that's not so great. Mm-hmm. People are starting to use the same sort of techniques that you would do with measuring weather, weather to measure culture um, and understand the effectiveness of what they do to impact these micro environments that evolve the culture and impact the larger sort of, if you will, atmosphere and weather itself. So that stuff's happening. Um, and But the other thing that's also happening, Jay, is there's, People are changing. We're learning as an industry. You know, safety professionals and others are learning. So therefore, the requirements are evolving. About oh, I didn't know I could do this, and so that's changing. And then the, this convergence, this fundamental convergence of technologies, is also changing. So AI is not for I think for anybody that's looked at this. I, it's a it's a label that we can put to say we have this new set of capabilities. But these capabilities. There are lots of components to these capabilities. You know, there's natural language mm-hmm. processing, there's some lots and lots of pieces of natural language. There's lots of stuff with sort of computer vision. All these things, some inside of our industry, most outside of our industry are evolving very, very, very quickly. The I think the the front runners are just beginning to sort of integrate and converge that technology to
0: apply it to what we're doing. So how does uh, OpenAI fit in the EHS world?
1: Yeah, I, I think OpenAI, kind of the chat GPT thing, is a, is a good question. I think inspiration is certainly the first place, right? So it, it, people should be playing around with that thing and asking it questions so that they can begin to imagine, well, what do I want to do? If I had my own, what would I do with it? It isn't you you should it isn't a thing where I would say, look, I'm gonna bet my family farm that it's gonna give me the right answer every time. But that doesn't mean it won't give you an answer that's a lot better than if you just ask a human the same question. So you have to use it with certain caution and a lot of respect, but you can you can and should use it as an opportunity to say, wow, can let me just ask this thing some questions, let me ask it to let me ask it to do some stuff. I would be very cautious with giving it any information from your organization because anything you give it goes out of the wild blue yonder. You mm. don't want to do that. But you can give it, you can ask it questions, you can do some stuff, you can play with things that are and begin to think about because if you think about what it is, what is OpenAI? OpenAI is the was one of the forerunners of what we call foundational language, large language models. What sits on top of that as an instruction model and what sits on top of that is the specific training that you would use to index information that's going to be relevant to what you're trying to do in your organization. So you have to figure out how all that's going to work. And there's people who lots of there's a jillions of companies who are going to be, you know, providing those services in the future. But right now, for like nothing, you can go out and explore and learn and think about like, wow. I can synthesize, I can summarize, I can ask, I can query. By the way, just like have your people like, okay, hey, what's the OSHA standard for X, Y, and Z? Like it's your fingertip. Why? Like, why not use that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. OSHA didn't lie. Uh, and so and it, I find, we find it gets it pretty darn close. So that's, a, that's what we would do with OpenAI. And I, where they're gonna go, I don't know, but uh, I mean, I'm sure they're gonna continue to, they are gonna have to resolve you know, are they going to be the Google of the world where they're just generic to everybody, or are they going to make special services where they will, you know, provide your own version? You know what I mean? So ABC company has their own, I don't know what they'll do. I, Where I see it going is that more and more organizations are going to want their own kind of private world that leverages yeah. the core technologies.
0: And then they can put more information into it and not worry about it and getting
1: out there. That's yeah. right. That's right, it's got it. So, again, it's these convergence of fundamental technologies that are coming together, you know what I mean? So there's lots of people who build large language models, OpenAI, Facebook, Google, BARD, uh, Stanford. There's, a you know, uh, many, many of them. It's these layers, you know, it's mix and match and layer them on top and figure out how you do it and how do you, you know, train these things to do which ones do reliably.
0: So if you were talking to a safety professional who has, you know, little to no understanding of, this technology. How would you advise them to get started and uh, sort of exploring it?
1: Um, I would the same way I would suggest sort of any of these things. Start with the problem, not the technology. And this is twenty years of beating my brains in. You know, <laughs> or my brains beaten. Great. Right? So it's it's a uh, it's and I, I know. It, I'm not trying to be funny but i'm just I and mean, there's different ways that you can get at it and but and, and work with people who are going to be sort of transparent honest anybody by the way who doesn't say let's start with the problem as opposed to the technology that that's like your first sign and in like and it can be things like okay um i want a higher quality daily planning activity or i want to hire better quality observation right okay well or i want um you know what is it that you want what are you really trying to, i want to know the relationship between the things that i do and my outcomes like so you got to start with that and then think through like okay well what is my base hypothesis right so if you want higher quality observations, what does that mean right and then think about like what it's probably going to mean is i want more about the problem than the symptom that i want you know i want people to understand like what did i learn from this whole thing and blah 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 Then you can begin to think about, well, how am I going to get that information? Is there, can I actually sort, is the data that I have, is it going to answer that question? If it's not the data that I have, how am I going to get the data that I need in order to be able to answer the problem? Then I can begin to think about how is AI going to sit on top of it, right? There's, this is an example. So start with the problem and work through it. There's others, just like I was saying before, like, okay, um, take open AI and say, look, I, you know, I'm going to ask it. I'm gonna just think through with my people, like what are 10 or 15, what are five questions I wish that I could get answered? Just go ask it of OpenAI and see if it answers the question, see if it's structured this way. Then start to think about, well, do I have the information that I need to train this thing to do what I want? How can I begin to explore? Um, The theme in all of these, Jay, is in order order, it's, to get the order of operations correct which is the dog is the system or the process the tail is the technology if you think if one thinks through that there are lots of low cost no cost ways to say how do i use these tools to solve these problems mm-hmm. and then i would go very deliberate we call it crawl walk run start very small test your hypothesis if your hypothesis is correct then move on uh, from there. Um, well, and, and one last little thing that I would say is how can I make things, could, what could I do for the field that would radically reduce what I ask from them? You know, so if you said the problem is I, I, I can't get the field to give me my information, I can't give them to give me, blah, it's, it's, blah, 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 blah. Then think like, well, what if I just, what if I only ask for 10%? It would be the simplest possible way that I could get that information from them. And can I I just get them to give it to me while they're doing their work and not give it to me by an extra task? So these, I think, are, and if you do that, then find people and partners who want to understand that and can, you know what I mean? And I don't care. This doesn't do with the factor lab. I'm just saying, in general, it doesn't matter. That's where you'll begin to find the people who can really help you with the problem. And then, If you make things simpler for the people in the field and you really understand, like, if I do this, it's going to make things better, whatever it is going to be, then the technology will be adopted. If you don't, there's a real chance that you're just playing around with technology that's interesting and cool and fun, but people don't understand how it fits into their, you know, human world. Does that help?
0: Yeah. Um, So, I mean, we, as we already mentioned, you know this technology is advancing at a ridiculously fast pace. Where do you see safety going in the next ten years? You know, with these mm-hmm. kinds of tools available.
1: Uh, I love this question. Uh, I I think uh, I think there's going to be, as I mentioned before, three big changes. I mean, there's probably going to be more, but there's three that pop in my mind. The first is fundamentally the way that we as humans interact with machines. Is going to change. It, and I, it, it's like we did before. So today we think about a machine giving me a chart. Uh to tell me, you know, whatever, is Jay's are Jay's conversations getting better, or is Jay doing his observations or whatever? And you go look at a chart and see whatever the answer to that is. That's not the way it's gonna be in 10 years. You're gonna fundamentally you mean you get a chart if you want to, but what you're really gonna say is, okay, is Jay getting better or not? And then they're gonna say, okay, but what? you know, and then what are you going to do? And it's going to answer your questions. So the sort of natural language that we're going to interact with machines, fundamentally going to change. We're going to continue to see, that's number one. So how we interact with machines and what we think that we want from data. By the way, we're going to have, um, like, I don't imagine a podcast that was curated every day of what happened in your organization, customized to exactly what you want here's the deal we had 45 observations we talked about this we talked about that blah blah, blah things get better here's what's different and by the way it'll even maybe tell you based on what i saw here's two or three things you got to think about for tomorrow that's coming that kind yeah. of because it's just how we humans want to consume data and information and if you don't believe me think about where we started with uh forms instagram TikTok. Yeah. If we're talking human lizard brain, this is the way it works. All right. Second is convergence, which is a, the same thing I was talking about before. We're gonna see continue to see convergence of both how we collect data, how we analyze data, the data science methods. This world, we have this is we're the benefactors of a fundamental transformation that's happening in our society, which is how men, women integrate and understand and apply knowledge and technology. So we will continue to see this convergence. So Machines and devices and signals and conversations and all that stuff. This is going to become more and more. And that's going to lead us to, I think, the biggest, maybe the biggest change. We're going to move more towards less. I don't know what the metaphor would be. We're going to move more towards listening for and understanding and watching and monitoring things that matter versus things that matter less. So, you know. Um, measuring, listening, understanding culture, you know, there's a lot of people today that still don't think that we can do it. I, uh, I fundamentally, I will tell you that we will have a much clearer objective way to organize, uh, cultures, uh, work cultures, uh, in the, you know, we have it today and it'll continue to improve. And the significance of that, by the way, is culture is what matters because culture is what yep. needs everything else, right? And so, and but it's hard for people to understand what that means. But when people are going to be able to see it, and most importantly, Jay, they're going to begin to understand more clearly over the next 10 years, what are the things that I'm doing that's moving that in the direction that I want it to do? And what are the things that I'm doing that are absolutely not moving the thing that I want? And when you come back to the role of the safety professional, that's the reward that they need, right? If I go out and I find and fix 400 things for housekeeping, or I make 7,000 observations, or I browbeat people to do their pre-test plans, or am like, okay, does it matter? Whatever, right? But imagine a world where the safety professional, which is the world I see, is a big part of creating, cultivating, supporting leaders and cultures that they really value, which will drive all the activity craft that you need to do, making healthier systems, Mm-hmm. that's what we're going to see. We're going to fix everything in 10 years, but we're going to move in that direction because that's fundamentally correct in what humans want. But we've not been able to. Uh, maybe we aspired for it, but we 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 haven't had good tools to do it.
0: Well, that's uh, that's something to, to shoot for, for, for sure. Uh, Barry, thanks so much for, uh, for joining me today. This has been great.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for letting me ramble on. I hope it was interesting and, <laughs> you know, uh, look forward to our next conversation.
0: Definitely. Thanks. That wraps up Episode 170 of EHS On Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.